0: Once again, this morning we have Ed, Pastor Ed Gregory, with us. Uh, for those who weren't here last week, Ed was a pastor at Manual Baptist Church here in town for seventeen years, I believe. Uh, and after that, since then, has been working with the Southern Baptist Convention in various places. Uh, he's been worked in Alaska and is now back here in Iowa, um, working as a pastor's liaison. Um, just. Uh, establishing relationships with Southern Baptist pastors and doing some mentoring and counseling and things of that nature. So, has been a very good friend to uh, Pastor John. I know um, John has expressed that to me and uh, looking forward to hearing from him again this week. So, Pastor Ed Gregory. Well, good morning. Are you glad you're able to be here today? (laughs) Amen had a music leader in one of the churches in the South uh, where I preached occasionally. used to ask the folks, how many of you would rather be here today than the best hospital in town? (laughs) I think he was hurting for response or amens those days, and uh, he would always get a few. Well, I'm glad to be here today. In fact, uh, rejoicing in the privilege of being here to worship with you again and to study the Word uh, with you again. Again, it's a, a privilege to, and an honor to be asked to come and speak uh, here at Northbrook. And we appreciate you. Uh, again, we're thankful for the many folks that we've known for uh, many years, some of you, and for new acquaintances that we've been making. We're glad to have our son, our oldest son, Joe, is here with us today. And so he uh, lives in the area and uh, was able to come worship with us. And so we're thankful that he is here uh, as well. Well, I know that this is not Valentine's weekend, and I'm relatively certain we're not having a wedding, at least not during the service, but I want to direct your attention today to a passage of scripture that's often read on those occasions. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, this chapter is called what? Response time. 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. There we go. Um sure uh, once you recognize it, you many of you knew that already, but the the fact is this passage of scripture is probably the first passage that's pointed to when we talk about our experiencing and expressing God's love, second only to John 3:16 and like passages. That remind us that God so loved us he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so when we look at this passage of scripture today we're talking about that same love experienced by and reflected through the life of those who know the Lord so let's look at this passage and I want to read several verses we'll read down through the first part of verse 8 and then drop down to verse 13 In this chapter 1st Corinthians 13 says if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Then to verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love let's pray together father i pray that you will open our minds and our hearts to hear from you today lord i recognize that my human words are insignificant in comparison to what you have said to us in your word and so lord we want to clearly communicate your word as we worship around the word here today We pray for the touch, the anointing of the Spirit. We pray for emptying of self and fullness of your Spirit. We pray, God, that in each of our hearts and lives, we'll go away today with a greater awareness of what it means to be in love with you and to be in love with each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, may your love flow to us and may it flow through us as we go out of this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that impresses me and blesses me as I travel about working with various churches is the way that God has gifted so many people uh, to be able to serve Him in various capacities within the church. I'm even more blessed by the fact that most of the people I know, or know well at least, Use those gifts for God's glory. Or in other words, they're actively engaged in the service and in the ministry of the Lord in and through His church and in many cases in and through many other uh, organizations or entities as well. People who can do so many things and who are using those gifts for God's glory. I believe that the Lord looks in the hearts and lives of many of his children and he says to to those folks already well done good and faithful servants I'm pleased with what you're doing I I love uh, the faith and faithfulness that you exhibit through your uh, service and uh, through the good works that come through your life because of the grace of God that has been applied to your life. And so I'm thankful for that, and I believe God honors it as well. But there is another element in regard to our service that is as important to God as the acts of obedience or the acts of faithfulness, which we do. And it boils down to this. Why do we do what we do? what is it that drives us what is it that motivates us the scriptures declare that of Israel of old there was a time at least in their history when they served God with their lips but their heart was far from him there was a difference They still went to the temple or or tabernacle depending on the era. They still went to the places of worship. They gathered together. They uh, offered the sacrifices and all the things that were the mechanics of being the people of God. But there was a time when what was within them didn't match what they were doing. Now let me say parenthetically there are some folks who claim the name of Christ who are not doing anything with it they're not living for God they're not attempting to be faithful they're not carrying out uh, the commands of the Lord they're not demonstrating that they have a relationship with him and those folks uh, need to be addressed in some context but today we're talking about those of us who are doing the work and we're asking the question what is it that moves us or motivates us? us well in this passage of scripture today that topic is addressed now I realize that sometimes we we read this passage in different contexts and we are thankful that God gives us the ability to love someone or to love each other so the wedding or the Valentine's Day that context but here he is addressing a church the church at Corinth was uh, filled with people who were uh, struggling with their faith, but many who were actively engaged in using the spiritual gifts they had in some way. In fact, a lot of this book is given to helping them understand what the gifts are and how God does gift individuals and how we are to use those gifts. And in that context, he comes in this passage to say, hey, there's, there's another element here That I want you to consider is while you're using your gifts What is it that's really in your heart? What's motivating you? Why do you do what you do? Well in this passage we obviously can identify very quickly What that element is And the element is that four letter word L-O-V-E Love Now we're not talking about fleshly love And we're not even talking about brotherly love, and we're certainly not talking about the love of the world, the love of the things of the world, uh, which uh, tends to be more like greed than real love. We, We love those things, but we're talking about the kind of love that God had for us that he wants to reproduce in our hearts. And it's a big deal to God. Sometimes when we start to talk about love, we think, well, the pastor's going to talk about this soft subject today. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get all uh, warm and fuzzy on us or something like that. Listen, it's, this is a big deal to God and every life of every child of God. So in this passage, he begins by addressing the importance of love for God's evaluation of our service. Now sometimes we think we're doing a pretty good job and if we listen to the voices around us maybe there are a lot of people who think we're doing a pretty good job but here we're talking about God's evaluation and he looks at faithfulness and he loves it when we're doing what he led us or called us to do when we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're not doing the things that we shouldn't do But here he addresses this element that we're talking about today. And he starts by saying to us that love, genuine love in the life of a child of God is more important than our giftedness and abilities. Notice what he said there again in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Whatever I speak or sing or whatever I do as a vocal expression using the giftedness that God gives me no matter how talented and no matter how able I am, if it is not motivated by love, the Lord says from where I'm sitting I hear a lot of loud discordant noise I don't hear a beautiful sound like it might appear to the human ear he goes on to say not only is it more important than our giftedness and abilities it's also more important than our understanding and faith oh wow now wait a minute pastor understanding the Word of God And trying to live by the word of God. Having great faith in God. That's the element. That's the medium of exchange between heaven and earth. Yes it is. Those things are extremely important to God. But notice what he says there in verse 2. If I have prophetic powers. And understand all mysteries. And all knowledge. And if I have faith so as to remove mountains. But have not love. I am what nothing someone said nothing is zero with the rim kicked off of it (laughs) in other words uh, it's just about uh, absent of value as you can be I am nothing notice what he goes on to say it's more important not only uh, to our understanding and faith but it's also more important than our acts of benevolence in verse 3 If I give away all I have, here we're in some translations even uses the concept, if I give everything I have to the poor, if I give away everything I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain, there's that word again, nothing. Now, if you look at those things, you think, wow, these are some of the greatest acts of sacrifice and care and benevolence and and, and offering yourself even to be burned. But he says, "What, what is motivating that? What is it in your heart that causes you to want to go to the nth degree even in acts of service, acts of kindness and all of the other things which we have just mentioned. And he reminds us that from God's perspective, if this element of love is not there, if it's not a motivating factor in what we do, then it all comes up really empty. Its value diminishes not just significantly, but practically completely in the eyes of God. Now, folks, that's a pretty serious matter. You see, this is not a warm, fuzzy passage. After all, this is a passage that gets to the heart of who we are as Christians. Now, lest we uh, puzzle over what that means and looks like, he continues in the passage to not only uh, remind us of the importance of these things from God's perspective, but the evidence of love For our own personal evaluation in other words help us see it Lord what does that look like when I have this kind of attitude no matter what my position or my role no matter what my act of service what is it that this looks like in the life of a believer well beginning in verse 4 he just goes right on Well, love is patient and kind love does not envy Or boast, it is not arrogant. Love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not selfish. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Some translations, love never fails. Another place in scripture says love overcomes a, a multitude of evil or sins. It is that element that causes us to be able to relate to and interact with God and others in the practical things of everyday life in a way that causes us to treat them with Christ-likeness no matter who they are and no matter what they've done to us or otherwise. It is an element that causes us to want to do to the best of our ability Whatever is the good thing or the best thing that we can do for that individual. It is a motivating force that causes us to be be willing to go to whatever length for the good or the benefit of the object of our love. Now usually I add a word in there, whatever, to go to any length, to, to do any right thing on their behalf. Some folks would say that love will cause us to uh, go outside the bounds of of, of being obedient to the Lord uh, just because we love something or somebody. Well, this kind of love causes us to be willing to do any right or good thing for the help or the benefit of that person. Now, let's expand on that a little bit as he comes down uh, to uh, talk to us about the significance of love in the realm of spiritual experiences now he's, he's told us how important it is in God's evaluation the standard and he showed us here the evidence that is the indicators that help us to know is this the way I live is this who I am is this the kind of attitude that I have in my service and in my relating to others and then he comes back to underscore the significance of love in the realm of spiritual experiences there in verse 8 He says, so now faith. Folks, we know how important faith is. For by grace are you saved through faith. You know, it's God's gift to us. Faith is a gift from God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith cannot be diminished in significance. And then he goes on now abides hope. That's our confident assurance in the Lord. The thing that causes us to always know That because of God, beyond today, beyond our circumstances, there is always something to look forward to because God has got this. This confident assurance we have both for time and eternity because of the Lord. And love, agape love, the same passage, same thing we've been talking about. Now abides faith, hope, and love. Which one's the greatest? But the greatest of these is what? Love. Now I'm thankful today that I didn't write this or I didn't make it up. (laughs) I didn't get this out of a sermon book somewhere. I'm just reading the scripture. The greatest of these is love. That concept is found also in the Gospel of Matthew. This greatest of these is love. In the Gospel of Matthew... And when uh, you recall that in Matthew 22 the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him the question what is the greatest commandment in the law which one would go at the top of the list Jesus if you were prioritizing all the commands that God is it thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not bear false witness what is it keep the Sabbath what is the top one Lord And they had them listed and categorized It was sort of a a process for them To try to figure out what's the most important And I think Jesus Surprised them all He went back to an Old Testament Passage they weren't, weren't expecting I think And he said to them these words And you are familiar with them in Matthew 22 And beginning there In verse 36 Teacher which is the great commandment In the law And he said to them You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and in other places where this passage is quoted he adds with all your might (laughs) with all your strength you will love God with everything that is within you You want to love Him. The first commandment in rank and order from God's perspective, from Jesus' perspective, is that we love God with everything that's within us. What does that look like? Well, when we love God, we have a real personal love relationship with Him, as Henry Blackaby said, a real personal love relationship with Him. And when we love someone like that, we want to be with Him. We want to spend time with Him we want to please him we want to do nothing to grieve him or hurt him we want to do all we can to honor him we want to share him with others when you have that kind of love for God it just shows up in every part of our lives and so the Lord went on to say and he added another commandment we'll come to it in a moment it says, on all, the, on, on all the prophets and all of the teachings hang on these two commandments. Starting with loving God with everything that's with you. With your heart, that's you know, the spiritual part of us where God dwells. With our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and our choices and decisions we make. We're always, at, the love for God is the thing that controls or drives us. And, and with our, our thinking, our mind, and even with our might, our service, coming back to First Corinthians 13, our acts of service, what we do with our strength and energy, if it's driven as it should be, should be to grow out of the great commandment. Someone said our lives should be driven by the great commission and the great commandment. And folks, as important as the great commission is, if we don't include the great commandment, then it becomes empty stuff we're not serving out of love for God and love for people maybe it's for ourselves maybe it's just a got to do it and resentful even there are all kinds of reasons to do stuff but what about your relationship about our service growing out of our real personal love relationship with God Well he goes on in the passage to say not only uh, do I want to give you uh, this uh, first commandment but I want you to also know that that if I'm ranking them let's just look at the second one before we get to all the others. The second one he goes on to say and the second one is like it that is like love God with all your heart you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. What do you mean? In all the commandments, the expectations that God has for us. First of all, love me with all your heart. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you notice how he's, um, he puts qualifiers? Generally, we as human beings just like to say, oh, we just live in love. <laughs> we just live in love. What does that mean? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 showed us what it looks like. Here he's saying, love me with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And And here he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Now the word neighbor is a word of proximity. It's a word that means anyone really that, that can be your neighbor next door, but it, anyone that's in your sphere of influence. Anyone whose life, your life, touches Anyone whose life you can impact. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. You remember when he's talking to husbands in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, and husbands love your wives as your own bodies. (laughs) As much as you can ever love yourself. Want best for yourself. Want good for yourself. Want to help yourself. All of those things. Love one another. And that's the goal of the rule. Treat others like you want to be treated love God with all your heart love your neighbor as yourself I could go another step and if we looked on to to John's gospel chapter 13 if Jesus was going to add a new commandment to the list what would it be well in John chapter 13 verse 34 and we're still talking about the greatest of these things here in chapter 13 verse uh, 34 the gospel of John he said a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. That you love each other just like I have loved you. You also are to love one another. The qualifiers there again. Love each other. Well, what does that mean? Love each other like I loved you. How's he loved us? He loved us unconditionally. God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us unconditionally. He loved us everlastingly, if I can make that word. He loved us uh, with an eternal or an everlasting love, he tells us. It's not fair weather. It's not for a while. It's not when everything's good. It's not when you're good and when you're, you know, it's everlasting love. And he loved us with a sacrificial love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, Jesus said, listen, I want you to go back and study the kind of love that I have for you. And I want you to let me reproduce that in you for those around you. A new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you unconditionally, eternally, and sacrificially. We'll go to any length that we can for the good or the help of the person that we really love. It moves us to be different toward God and different toward people. Well, I wish we had time and we don't today to look at how many times he says this in the scripture and and expound on them but i i just want to i'm going to read a few and if you want to write down references you can because you want to have time in in john chapter 15 uh, back there in 13 verse 34 he reminds us that this kind of love is the way that the world knows that we really do belong to the lord Verse 34 says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. The greatest identifying mark of a genuine Christian in the world is that they have genuine love for God and for one another. I heard it said of a pastor many years ago and it stuck with me as a young pastor. So a gentleman said in the community where we were serving said you know you don't you can't be around that pastor very long until you know he loves you. You know he loves you. He genuinely cares about you. That should be true of all of us. That we, uh, people aren't around us long until they know our heart is filled with genuine love. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. It's not what we claim. It's not the, the banner that we fly. It, it's not even the church we attend. It's not even that we attend. But because of our love for God and others. See how big it is to God? Well, in John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. In John 15, 17, he comes back and says it again. This I command you that you love one another. Romans chapter 13, he says, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, he says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 since you have a, in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren fervently love one another from the heart 1 John chapter 3 says for this is the message which you have heard from the beginning that you should love one another 1 John 3:23 says and this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us 1 John 4 7 says beloved let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God 1 John 4 11, beloved if God so loved us we ought also to love one another <clears throat> no one has beheld God at any time if we love one another God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. 2 John chapter 1 says, And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we had from the beginning, that you love one another. So when we look at uh, this concept from God's perspective, is love important? Is love important? Absolutely. We know it, but are we experiencing it? What is it that motivates us? in our service from the lord's perspective there's faith there's hope there's charity there's love but love is the greatest of all let me use one other scriptural illustration that'll kind of help us pull this together if you went to the book of of the revelation to the letter to the church at ephesus In, in revelation chapter two the lord writes these letters to seven churches And he sends them through John with both a historical context and with a long-term context to address needs in churches whatever age. And in this passage, he says to the Ephesian church these words, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. They were one of the hardest working churches you'll ever find. I know your works, your toil, and your endurance they stayed after they kept it year after year they were faithful in work and then and how you cannot bear with those who are evil <clears throat> they were morally pure later on it says you don't tolerate the doctrine of the nicolaitans people who said you can live any way you want to as long as your heart's right you know that kind of thing and here he said listen Here's a church, I know your works are a hard-working church, faithful and diligent. I know that you're a morally pure church. You maintain the standards of Scripture and of God's will. You you do not tolerate that which is evil. Even more than that, you are doctrinally, you're gun barrel straight doctrinally. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. You know the truth. And so, hardworking, morally pure, and doctrinally straight. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. (laughs) But he has something to say to them. He says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. I know that. And you have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at the first. You have abandoned the love that you had at the first. Of all of those things that were right, the Lord, through John, said to that church, there's something that I can't get past here I can't overlook you're still doing and believing the right things but I have something against you you have abandoned the love that you had at the first you say is that love for God or love for people whatever he doesn't say clear I think clearly on purpose he said when I look in your heart I'm not finding The love That I used to see there And you know what Real genuine God's love When it gets hold of your heart When it's the thing that's motivating you It doesn't matter Who the object is If you're thinking about God You love him with all your heart If you're thinking about your brothers and sisters You love each other like the family of God If you look around you in the world uh, You love those lost sinners Who need to come to Christ if you look even at those who have harmed you, love your enemies, he goes on to say it, it goes outside the boundaries of it. And so, what he's looking for when he looks on the inside of us, he's looking for that love. Let me tell you something I noticed in pastoring over the years, and Larry and Dean and some others maybe even experienced some of this with me, certainly my family. When I was walking close to God, and the love of God was just flowing to me. I mean, I was that real personal love relationship with the Lord was just full and rich in my life. Ministering to people was a joy. Your problems were something that by God's grace I'd been sent there to help you with. Whatever the need was, working with people was a joy. But if I ever drifted off that, got away from really walking in and experiencing God's love flowing to me and and that closeness with the Lord, you became a bother. (laughs) I don't mean you individually. But I mean, people became a bother. There was something wrong. I still would do the same things, but there was something different. And the difference was His love wasn't flowing to me and so it couldn't flow through me. The channel had gotten blocked to one of the most important things in my Christian experience and that is being a channel for God's love to work through me and so the Ephesian church learned that lesson and he said to them uh, you know several things There, first of all you've you've abandoned that and first of all he says remember remember from which you've fallen remember how it used to be to Israel he would say on occasion "Uh, you you loved me when, when we were young and in love But you've drifted away from the love of your youth. Remember from where you've fallen. Second word is repent. That is make a turnabout. Make the changes necessary to correct this happening in your life. And then reestablish. Do the works you did at the first. He goes on to say if you don't I'll come and remove the candlestick. I can't keep blessing people whose hearts are not right even though their actions are right if their hearts are not right then I can't keep blessing that work you say I got it preacher you know it's getting on toward whenever so I got it well I'm glad you do the question that sometimes arises though is pastor I can't do that <laughs> I can't do that you know I, I, maybe I can love God there's some people and there's some circumstance i just can't do there's something happened in my life and i don't love anymore the way i used to well he said to the ephesian church there in revelation the starting place is to turn back to me the repentance is not just you know breaking down and groveling over it but repentance is a change of heart and mind that causes a change in direction that brings us back to some place that we have abandoned in that case and so What we need to realize is this. When we say, I just can't do it, the first uh, response is, you're right. (laughs) You cannot do it on your own. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If His love is going to flow through us, I mean His genuine love, not just family love and care for care for our family and kids, but genuine love of God, if it's going to flow through us, then it's got to flow to us. And it begins when we accept His love gift in Christ. The gift of eternal salvation. The gift of a changed heart. A new creature in Christ Jesus with the capacity and the capability of love like we had never had before so it requires if his love is going to flow to us we've got to be willing to accept the fact that even though we are not very lovable and lovely that God loved us anyway and he came to die Jesus came to die for us so that we can be saved and so we are establishing that real I said real personal personal love relationship with God It starts when we come to that point of faith and Christ comes to live in our heart and His Holy Spirit takes up residence there. That brings us to the second part of the answer. We have to have a real relationship and it has to be flowing to us. And part of that is the Holy Spirit living within us. And the source of this genuine love in the life of a believer is the Holy Spirit living within us. He does something in us that we can't do ourselves. He adds a dimension of love that's only God's kind of love. And that dimension of love. You remember when he says to us in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, and the fruit of the Spirit is... What's the first part of the fruit of the Spirit? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love and the joy and peace. And then all those others that are expressions of those things, I think, in our lives. But love, joy, and peace are the fruit of the spirit and so that fruit is produced in our lives when we live a life that is fully yielded on a consistent basis to the holy spirit within us we're not resisting him we're not grieving him we are being filled with the spirit means to be engulfed or to be totally yielded to the control of the holy spirit in fact that passage says and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess Don't give yourself over to the control of some other substance. We can name a lot of different ones. But be filled with the Spirit. Take in all you've got. Let Him have all of you. Let Him have complete control. And when He does, He will produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. His fruit, beginning with genuine love. Beginning with the one that the Lord puts at the top of the list. He did it again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. By now, you know I'm not talking about just a warm and fuzzy feeling that you get once in a while about someone or something. But I'm talking about something that motivates us within, that we want to do everything we can for the good or the help or the benefit of that person. A motivating force that causes us to be willing to be sacrificial, to lay down our lives for those that we love. It causes us to be driven out of compassion like jesus when he looked on the multitudes in your passage if you continue reading through uh, that passage in matthew you're going to come real quickly now to jesus going about all the towns and villages and when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them when he saw them in their sinfulness as sheep without a shepherd broken and destroyed and being cast down and all of the harm that sin was doing in their lives rather than being mad at them because they were sinners he was moved with compassion and he said pray that the lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest field in other words may god give us the compassion for others that jesus has that he had when he looked At you and me. In Ephesians 5, the last part of that chapter, he says to us, he reminds us there, Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Is his love flowing to you? As the songwriter said years ago, is it flowing through you? That is the condition that the Lord is looking for in the ones he will use best and most in his kingdom. Let us pray. Father, I do pray that you will speak to our hearts very clearly today. I pray you'll speak to the heart of this preacher. God, may I never preach a sermon, witness or counsel, consult or whatever, without the love of God being at the heart of why we're there. A love of God that flows to us. A love of God that responds back to you first and then flows through us to those around us. May it be a reality. May we know the joy and the pleasantness and just the fulfillment that comes when we've done the right thing, but we've done it for the right reason. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.